Uh, we have a testimony every Thursday night before we have a sermon, and tonight is Christina Rodebaugh, who loves public speaking, by the way. Yes, it is my favorite thing to do. Um, actually, I was sitting over here, and uh, God was like, first of all, this is your testimony, and this is praise to me, because you didn't get yourself out of that stuff. I did it. And then he was like, it's so funny that you think your life is about you, because everything you've gone through is not about you. It's to help somebody else. So here we go. So it's actually kind of funny, because I never actually thought I had a testimony. Um, I kind of thought that I like wasn't messed up enough to... Uh, have God intervene in my life. Um, and then I wrote this and I realized I was. So um, my childhood was actually pretty normal. I grew up with you know, two parents and a brother and a sister. We moved around a lot when I was younger and we finally settled right in Elk Grove when I was about nine. Um, and my dad decided we were gonna start going to church. And church was a really big part of my life. If I wasn't at school, I was probably at church. Um, and my family, I was always the good kid, like the one that nobody had to worry about. She was going to school. She was doing her thing. She was good. My brother, on the other hand, was into gangs and drugs, and he brought a lot of junk into our house, so there was a lot of fighting. And I just sort of kind of being the good kid that nobody worried about faded into the background. And that's kind of where I lived my whole life. And uh, it's kind of where I figured that I belonged. Um, I really kind of wondered if my parents even really noticed me. Because if they did, then like, didn't they see that there was something going on? Um, when we first moved to Elk Grove, we moved next door to a bunch of boys. And we were all about 10 or 11. But as young as they were, they had found their dad's um, pornography and um, they were trying out some different things on each other. Um, and when I moved in, they kind of turned their attention towards me and started trying some things with me. And um, at the time, like, I didn't really think that anything was wrong with what we were doing. Like, we were kids, we didn't know. But I think on some level I did because I didn't tell anybody. I kept it a secret because I didn't want to be a disappointment to my parents since my brother already was. Um, and I would like to say that that was my last experience in the sexual realm um, in elementary school of all places, but it wasn't. By sixth grade, I had two best friends, and we literally did everything together, which included accidentally finding her mom's porno videos and somehow getting it into the the player and pushing play and watching it, which kind of led us to um, being kind of like the boys and experimenting on each other and then eventually leading into inviting one of our male friends in to join. And um, it was, it lasted for a while and then sixth grade ended and I left that time in my life with a lot of shame and a lot of feelings of like worthlessness because I was bouncing between who I was at church and the things I was learning there and who I was at 
um, school and with my friends. And uh, looking back and reflecting on it, I realized that this was where I had developed a lot of my ideas about guys. And that I it was there that I began to believe that guys just wanted what they wanted. And it didn't matter who got hurt in the process. So I decided I didn't want to have anything to do with guys. And so I developed these ideas as a way to like protect myself. So throughout high school and college, I really struggled to um, develop any sort of friendships with anybody, male or female. Um, I was just trying to like stop any further hurt. So I kept everybody at arm's length. And um, as alone as I was, I couldn't force myself to let anybody in. So I have all of that going on. And then to top it off, I had really, really low self-esteem. Like I absolutely hated the way I looked. I really kind of thought that my looks were God's way of like playing a little joke on me. Like my features and my personality were his little leftover pieces that he didn't see where else they should go. So let's just put them all on her and see how she does. Um, and I know that's a lie now, but it's one that I lived with for a really long time. And it really caused me to just have no value in myself, which you add that to what happened in elementary school, and it led me to my struggle with pornography. Um, and it really wasn't like hardcore pornography, but the reality is that pornography is pornography, regardless of what form it's in. And so I started to, to, to struggle with this, and it became that really dark, ugly monster that you keep hidden so nobody sees it, because in the church that I grew up, grew up in, like pornography was never talked about. And if it was, it was about guys. It wasn't about girls, because women did not deal with this issue. So I began to believe that not only am I shameful and worthless and ugly, but now I'm really dirty, because I'm dealing with something that, that men deal with, not women. <sighs> Sorry. So I really kind of felt like there was nowhere to turn. Like, God would never use me. I would never get married, because surely no guy is going to be interested in a girl that has all of these issues. But let me tell you how great God is, because he's so much bigger and apparently so much smarter than I am. <laughs> and he brought me to a group of people that no matter how hard I shoved them, and trust me, I shoved. No matter how many pity parties, no matter how many temper tantrums I threw, they never let me go. In fact, sometimes they even came after me to pull me back. And uh, there are really two reasons why my perspective of myself has changed in the last year. Um, and one is those people and actually learning to let them in and actually letting them help me to tear down walls that I had built up so high that I swore they would never come down. And then being willing to say, hey, you're putting those walls back up, let's, let's tear them back down. And the second is Christ's life, which is actually kind of tied into the first reason because that was the first time that I had ever shared any of this. Like nobody in my life had ever known about what happened in elementary school. Nobody knew about my issues in college. And in a matter of weeks at Christ's Life, this whole group of people knew all of my dirty little secrets. 
And the coolest thing was that they didn't look at me the way that I looked at me. Like, they didn't change how they saw me. And when I realized that, I was able to hear God say, I don't look at you the way you look at you. I see my daughter. I see somebody who could never fail me. I see somebody who is so precious and who I love, regardless of what your past looks like. If you stay there for the rest of your life, I'm still going to love you. And I learned that when I kept those things in the dark, I was giving the enemy permission to torment me with them because that's where he is and that's where he stays. And when I brought it into the light, he no longer had that power and those moments and those events no longer had that power over me. And um, it wasn't a quick transformation, but it was a transformation nonetheless. And I've learned a lot of lessons and I've learned that you know my future is not gonna be my past and my past doesn't dictate that. And uh, I'm gonna just keep my eyes focused on God. And that's my story. Great job. So if this is your first or second time here and you're wondering if all of our testimonies are that honest, yes, they are. Because we believe that God can totally revolutionize your life. We don't care what happened to you in the past because we have a God who transforms and changes lives. And there are so many different types of testimonies. Um, so I just encourage you, just take hope. If you're sitting here tonight and maybe you're going down for the last time and it seems like no one's paying attention, um, come up at the end. We would love to pray with you and see what God has to say about your life. So tonight we have Sean Lawrence. Eric took his dad to Alaska to honor his father and spend some time with him. Um, and Camille is here to make sure I do this right. But um, Sean is going to speak tonight, and I'm really excited about what he has to say. He is a powerful man. So come here and let me pray for you. Get over here. God, I just thank you for this man, for the truth that is so powerfully in him, for the way he can't even open his mouth without saying something truthful and sometimes blunt. So, Father, I just pray that you'd help us to listen tonight to this great word that he has for us, that we would listen as sons and daughters and not as orphans with our walls up like Christina talked about. We love you so much. Thank you, Lord. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. Amen. All right. This is exciting. Oh, it's boomy. Um, I, I love talking right after a testimony. That's like the greatest thing ever because it like immediately like there's just anointing that fills the place because there's truth and God is on display and it really makes everything that much greater. Um, and so tonight, um, I'm really excited about and usually how this happens is I tell Waterbury over lunch, like, oh, I think this is awesome. He's like, oh, it's good. You can speak about it next week. I'm like, oh. Um, and so I usually end up coming here, like, I spend, like, f far too little time for my perfectionism to, like, 
come up here and feel fully confident in myself. And this is even worse because normally I, I come up and like I have to take my glasses off so I can wear the Britney Spears mic so I can't see anybody. But like today I got my contacts. I'm getting ready for my wedding so I can look down the aisle and not wear nerdy glasses. Which means that now I get to see all of you guys look totally disinterested and just kind of flabbergasted. Can he say that? Um, so if you have your Bibles... Um, turn with me to Isaiah 6. Um, it's page 606 in my Bible. Um, I absolutely love Isaiah. Like every great promise that's ever come to my family has been in Isaiah. Like I read it like weekly just hoping God's going to drop some awesome bomb on me. Um, and I love Isaiah 6 because this is... Isaiah being called to be a prophet, and it's, it's throne room of heaven, God calling a man, like it's, it's just dope on so many levels. I only get to say dope twice, because I say it too often and people make fun of me later. So one left. Um, starting in, in verse one, in the year that I saw King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the, the temple. This is that verse that like, Oh, we, we end up worshiping. I don't know how many songs it's in, but it's like songwriters song love this verse. Um, Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, this is Isaiah, woe to me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And it's just, I was so confused when I read that. I mean, I'm in awe, like I'm enjoying it, but I'm like, why, why is he talking about his lips? Like he's in the throne room of heaven. And he's like, oh, my lips are dirty. Like, his heart, he's not grieved by the things that he's done. He's not, like, his, his, the mental image of who God is is not, like, completely, sh like, sharded. Like, he's, he's grieved by his lips. Sharded? <laughs> it makes sense. You break, like, a shard and it breaks into a bunch of things. It's a thing. <laughs> all right, all right. I can see you all. Um... So I was, I was just really wondering what's going on with the lips. Like, why, why nothing else? And I mean, really, you look at what's going on, right? Angelic beings are singing. Um, the train of the robe, I mean, he finally gets to see the thing that we all sing about. I'm sure they sang about it. Um, there's smoke, and there's a big booming voice, and it's like shaking the pillars like the doorposts. Like, if you're in a house and there's an earthquake and like the door shakes, you're like, oh, this is a good one. But if like the walls are shaking, like freak out, run out of the house. Like he's, he's in the throne room of heaven, which is probably built better than most houses, and it's shaking. And so, and, and he's seeing like just things that people don't see on a daily basis. And, and, and you, if you read Hebrews 13, 15, it says, let us continually uh, offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. I mean, this is like, 
this is built into a, a lover of Christ, like a, a, man, a, God, a man of God, a woman of God. Like this is something you naturally want to do. You see how you want to worship him. And he's, he's, he finally makes the throne room of heaven. And you, you'd wonder what I would want to do. It's like, well, do I stand in the corner? Do I quiver? Do I sit? Like you'd want to do something. And everybody assumes that they will get on their knees, throw their hands in the air and uh, worship. But he just sits there. He's like quiet. He has nothing to say. He, it's, it's grieving to him. He's exhibiting the fear of the Lord. And, and I'm reading this and like I can kind of see, um, you know, where he's coming from. But Moses did a similar thing, right? He was, God called him and said, I want you to lead the Israelites out. And he says, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. Da- da- Daniel, Daniel, Daniel did the same thing. He basically went mute and passed out kind of. Like people don't respond well to like just seeing God Almighty. Moses killed it later, but like, in general, and they, they always end up talking about their lips. So I, I like, whenever I read the Bible, I don't have these great, grandiose schemes and ideas and revelations to just pop in. I just have questions that make no sense to me. And I go to work just kind of with a furrowed brow. And, and later on, I like ask God what's going on. And every time I ask, like, why the lips? Why the lips? I, I, I kept going back to Luke 6.45. And it says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And really, like, I'm I'm sure he can't really explain, like, if his friend was in heaven, he's like, dude, you you totally caved. Like, you did not nail that. He wouldn't have any explanation for, like, why he felt the way he did. But I think this is it, it, that while he's, he's, he's talking about his lips, like, it all goes back to the heart. It's a hard issue. And, um, and, and you read in the Bible and you know that God views the heart. Um, when, you, when you look at 1 Samuel 16, 7, this is when um, God is choosing, um, you, through the prophet Samuel, um, the next king. And, uh, and, and so he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance. And because he, he's, he lines up all the family and it's like smartest, tallest, well, smartest, tallest, like buffest. And, and they just go down the line and, uh, and David's not even there. And he says, don't look on his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I love that because it's just a conundrum to me. Um, I'll explain later why in a minute. I mean, um, there's another verse I love, and I, I, I'm always thinking about it, and I love praying these verses back to God because if I find out what he's like, then I go, you're like this, and it makes me feel like I'm, I'm not just like grasping at air, like I, I'm praying something of value. <laughs> and it says, for the eyes of the Lord runs true and to and fro, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And that's 2 Chronicles 16.9. I love that. And it, it perfectly lines up with what's happening in 1 Samuel, right? He doesn't, he's not looking for the wise man, the eloquent man, the perfect man, the, the buffest man. He's looking for the man whose heart is after him. And really, um, this fits sort of perfectly in, if you, how many of you guys were here last week for Knopf and his talk on Storytellers, come on, yes. It was really great. Um, and my favorite point was, uh, well, there's a lot of favorite points, but um, and I forget most of them, sadly. Um, 
I, I, I love the, like, whenever I get together with, like, the, the guys that, like, sharpen me, we all went through the same thing. In middle school, we cussed. Who knows why? Like, I don't know why, like, we all did that. But he, he was talking about the fact that, like, it totally killed his ability to share the good news. And he, he had, like, no chance. Like, the guy was like, tell me about Jesus. And he just kind of, like, quivered and sat down. Like, had nothing to say. And really, I was thinking about that this week and, like, just kind of recounting, like, why the heck did I do that? Like, why was I cussing in middle school? I think I was cool. Like, I had pimples everywhere. Like, it was just awful. I was five, five foot, like, two. Everybody else was way taller than me. But um, everybody has seen one of those videos, right, um, of a little kid, like, can't even walk, but he's, like, cussing up a storm. And the parents are there just, like, dying. Everybody's seen one, right? And I think, I'm pretty sure, like, Chris, there, there was one video of me that, like, where the parents were, like, just thoroughly enjoying like me saying something that just like was awful. And, uh, and then I remember like, so there's that, right? And, and he didn't kill me. I wasn't like sm smitten, smote, killed. Um, <laughs> in, in middle school, like when I was in, when I was in middle school, um, I played basketball a lot and I was awful because I knew that like basketball, I, I, I always wear too short of shirts and I do the basketball move and I give midriff. <laughs> so anyway, um, basketball, you get your hands here, right? Well, in middle school, like, you're not strong enough to shoot from here and get into the hoop. So you bring it down to here. But then you can't see the basketball hoop because the ball's in front of your face. So then you bring it here, and you shoot, like, shotgun style. But you're, like, you're looking this way, and you're shooting this way. And so, like, I never, ever got good at basketball in middle school. Like, it was awful. And so I'm shooting with my dad. And I'm like, well, no, I do this thing. And then I go, ah, and I, I cuss. And I, I don't remember what I said. I'm fairly certain it wasn't one of the bad ones, but it was, it was bad enough that I just, like, I pulled my head back, and I was like, and my dad totally heard me. And I, like, my life was over. Like, my whole life flashed before my eyes. It was very boring. And, <laughs> and, and, and I died. But, like, when you think about it, what's the why did, he, why did he freak out, flip out, go crazy then, and, like, laugh at me when I was a kid. It, it's like I had no sense of like, what's going on? But as a, as a, in a well, middle school, not adult, I like, there was some comprehension. Like I, it was a, you know, it was a what? In, it was an outward expression of something that had gone on inwardly. And so he was really like protective of my heart. Like he had to make sure that like, you know that that's wrong. Like he had to immediately cut that off. And really like, I'd like to say that I never cussed again. I didn't cuss for like, three weeks and I was scared out of my mind and then I missed a serve in tennis and what, backslid in middle school? What's happening? Oh no, correction. No, no correction. <laughs> we have a black Audi and your doors are all open and your alarm is going off and it's, your license number is 6VCP333. So you can wait like about three minutes and then get your buddy and you know, <laughs> go check your car out. Forget where I was. <laughs> Tennis. Okay. Words are an outer expression of an inward condition. And it's, it's just really important to understand. It really, it'll affect, I mean, your understanding and your valuing other people's words. Um, well, it's a huge part of discernment. It's a huge part of um, relationships. You can, I mean, I love, there was like decent Facebook drama. How many people watch Facebook drama? And I love like watching people's responses because you can learn like a huge amount from like how they respond.
Like the people who like flip out and like try to immediately correct the situation and the people who like, no, 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 I'm not worried about it. And like, you can kind of tell like, where's their security? What do they really believe about themselves? Like what, I don't know, it's just amazingly fun to watch. So your heart, right? Waterbury's like, don't talk about that. <laughs> so um, what are you storing in your heart? I mean, if, if all of these things flow out of your heart, if, if your words affect people and everybody in your life, then what are you storing in your heart? I don't want to talk about the typical, like, you know, words are a rudder, and I don't know, I, I never really get anything out of that. It confuses me. But the Bible says, avoid a man prone to anger. And I love... Most of the verses I'm going to talk about are from Proverbs. Like, if you find this remotely interesting, read Proverbs, because it's all about, like, the power of your words, and, and there's a, like, the word heart shows up in Proverbs, like, way more than anywhere else. But why, why avoid a man prone to, ang- prone to anger? It's not because the, the Bible wants to keep you from catching a beating. They, God does not want you to catch that, that viewpoint of life. Like, they, if, I, I had, used to have a friend who was, like, just pissed off all the time, and he, like all of his friends around him were just kind of the same person. And I'm fairly certain that they didn't all just like become that way. Like one of them was a bad, like a dud, and they all just slowly became, to, begun to see things that way. Um, which side, side note, I don't understand um, a, like a Christian who is a uh, cynic. Like that makes no sense to me. I, I, I don't know, I've never understood that. Like, Jesus is great. We have hope. Like every, even in bad times, like everything works out for our good. And the Bible says, like every good and perfect thing that He uses, or no, every every good and perfect thing comes from God. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm always excited, always, for the most part. But anyway, um, and and kind of going along the same lines, like I like this. I can stand on this. Um, as an economist. I wake up and I go to work and I economist things for like hours on end. Um, but I do not immediately wake up and listen to the news because that would kill me. That would, I mean, I did it for a while. Like I had the New York Times and I wake up and I read it and I'd be so depressed by the time I got to work because this is European debt crisis and blah, blah, blah is happening and this is breaking down and we're going into another recession. It's just like rumor mongering and just fear. Like I wake up and I get my heart with Christ. In the morning, give me Jesus. Like, I, I start there, and then by the time I get to work, anybody can say anything to me, and that's not my, like, reality. That's not going to affect my heart. And so, like, um, I'll give you a good example later. And it, it, it meets up with Philippians 4.8, right? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, you get the point. It goes on and on, and it says, meditate on these things. I used to listen, I'm, I'm fairly certain that there was a decent link in my middle school years to like, where did I learn to cuss? It wasn't because my friends were all like hardcore. It was, I listened to like lots of rap with lots of cussing in it. I never made that connection. I stopped listening to rap with cussing in it, I stopped cussing. It's just because I like slowly, like the stuff sneaks in. We live in a media-filled society. You have no idea the amount of stuff you let in. Me and Mandy, when we first started dating, we watched like two rated R movies and we felt like so dirty. Oh my gosh. And it, it wasn't like... They just put cussing in for no reason. And cussing is like scapegoat today, but I'm fairly certain there are other things that people are dealing with. And I don't cuss anymore. Um, and, and so 
we got to wonder about what we're storing in our heart, but even more than that, do you actively guard your heart? It says, above all things, in Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. I love that because it doesn't say, guard your heart, for out of it flows your words. It flows your issues. I mean, if you don't guard your heart, your life is going to be full of issues. It's really not, I love the non-complicated Bible verses that you don't really have to think about forever. I mean, one of my favorite Waterburyisms, like, if, you're, if your life is surrounded by drama, like, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> and his quotes you don't have to think about very long either. They're ve- I mean, it's true though. I mean, there are people who like, they drag drama everywhere they go. And they're like, man, just people are, and they become the Christian cynics, right? There are pe- people are just bad. No, you are the common denominator. Sorry, side thought. So having kind of built this connection between and really talked more about like the heart and words and like that connection, I just want to talk now about like your words because you, um, your words have tremendous power. I mean, power towards you, like your life, power towards the enemy, power in your relationship with God, like everywhere you look, the, your words have tremendous power. I just started going through Proverbs and I was just looking at anything that said words in Proverbs. Words, lips, mouth, tongue, schnoz, no. And it, and it says, the righteous man will be blessed by the fruit of his lips. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Is he referring to like talk show hosts, radio DJs, the guys who make books on tape, like those guys who make money with their voice? No, it says, the righteous man will be blessed by the fruit of his lips. What he's talking about there is, is not the anything but it's the pleasure of, of not only having the mind of Christ but conveying that, that reality verbally. Like every once in a while, don't you like say something like, oh, I gotta write that down. Like it sounded like really good. It, 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 normally it's just because you declared something that was truth and, and you, you could feel it. I, I had that the other day. I have no idea what I said but I was like, I got the chills. Chills. Steady. <laughs> um... I mean, even like, and, and wor- really, words um, unlock the truth. I was, I spent a year unemployed. I talk about that way too much. I'm no longer unemployed. But my favorite point is just the end of it, right? I spent a year. It sucked. Everything about it was terrible. And I'm sitting with Waterbury, and we're having tea, because I don't drink coffee. And, um, and we're sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't even care. Like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not stressed out about it. I'm not angry at God. For the first time, I'm just, I'm here. Like, my car is running. It had just blown up, and Honda had replaced it for free. Another story, God is awesome. But my parents are being super nice to me. Did I say dope in that sentence? Sweet. Saved it. No. Um, My parents are being super nice to me. Like, I have a good education. God is gracious. Everywhere I look, there are new things to experience with him. Like, and I was like, I'm not even gonna worry about it. I'm gonna keep applying, but like, I'm just gonna chill. And as I like, like not a, like, it wasn't like I finished that sentence, but literally like before I left his house, uh, I got two phone calls within, well, I got one phone call, and then when I got home, I got another phone call. Two jobs, both offering me more money than I deserved for the amount of time I laid around in college. And, and they started like bidding with each other, and I went from like, freaking out to being all right to turning down like my dream job. Santa Barbara, awesome car, like it would have been dope. (laughs) 
And really, like, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it wasn't that um, if I had said nothing, I don't think anything would have happened. I think because I, I declared, like, because I said, like, this God is this, regardless of what's going on, and my heart was lined up with what my words were saying, like, it just totally opened things up. Your, your words and your heart, when they line up, things are awesome. I wanted to say dope there. Um, even, and it doesn't even have to be like the, the great breakthroughs, right? I'm, um, I'm a state worker, and what happens whenever there is a, a financial crisis is they, they furlough state workers, which means they take 5% and then they give you extra time off, which I could use the 5%. Like, I'm getting married, the money would be nice. And, uh, and, and we're always in crisis, so <laughs> I'm always furloughed. But, and, <laughs> and what happens is like, um, we're, we're all doing the water cooler talk, and um, someone's like, yeah, furloughs, and they're like, that sucks, that's stupid, they're just, and they just go off, and I'm like, I don't even care. Like, I got a great job. Our standard of living is stupid. I get to come into work at this time. I enjoy my work. Like, everything is good, and I'm getting married, and I'm going to be a dink, which means that I'm not going to be broke. And, and everybody was like, eh. But in reality, like, they're, they're, and no one really, like, and they went back to complaining. But in reality, like, they're listening. The, these non-Christians are listening. And they're going to say at some point, you know, they're going to, I may quit, I may leave, um, I may be there for 40 years, but at some point they're going to be talking and I won't be there and they'll say, that Sean, he's got a good heart. I don't know why, but he's got a good heart. They hear everything you say. And, and it has impact. And it doesn't have to be like, thank you Jesus, spiritual like mumbo jumbo. It can just be having, having a heart that is, different. Even more, even more like practical than that. When I was, um, when I was dating, I have dating filters. Does anybody else have dating filters? Like things that are, I guess they're called turnoffs, but I call them dating filters. <laughs> no beards, loves Jesus, not taller than me, not buffer than me, doesn't gossip, doesn't roll the eyes, and pauses between sentences. Those are my like major things. <laughs> Most of them are obvious. I don't want a girl taller than me because I like high heels. I don't want a girl buffer than me because I like my pride. <laughs> but don't gossip. Like, obviously, like, if she's talking, if she's always chatty Kathy, if her name's Kathy, if her name is, <laughs> if, her, if she's always chatty Kathy about, like, everybody, then that means that when we have a row, when things, like, suck for a week, She's going to go, oh my gosh, I married this guy, blah, blah, blah. And she'll just completely air everything. I, like, I'm not okay with that. Gossiping and like people who like constantly stir up and talk, like there's a heart issue. You can use these things that are very practical to really weed out like people that really, and it's the same thing with rolling the eyes. Have you seen somebody, you say something like, it really what that means is what you're saying is stupid. I don't respect whatever you said, or that's disinteresting, or you're a doofus, or like, it's, it's always bad. It's never like, oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> there, are, there are certain things that are a window to the heart. And, and not all of them are super spiritual. I don't need her to be able to tell me the Romans road. But I need her to, I need my future wife. And she is, I want to, yeah. Um, 
And then the last one pauses between sentences. Like there are some people that just like, they fire off, they think, they talk like constantly. Too many words sometimes is awful. Talking less is often saying more. I, my favorite thing, we, we got in our first fight and uh, it wasn't even like a fight. It was just like kind of confusing because I could see I did something wrong. I was like, I don't know what I did wrong. I just sat down and was like, I could do better. I don't know what it is. And, and she like, she's like, no, 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 it's nothing. And, uh, and so I was like, all right. And, and I like, I, whenever someone says that to me, I'm like, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to assume there's nothing. And then about 10 minutes later, she's like, you know what? I didn't like you said this because of this and this. My childhood, I learned this. And she like, she totally like thinks before she speaks. And it's like the healthiest thing ever. Our rows at last like a minute and a half. Because usually she's like, here's the reasons you're wrong. And I'm like, oh, those are good reasons. <laughs> I mean, I love reading Proverbs on this subject. There's, um, it says, even a fool who, is, who rarely talks will be counted wise. Isn't that true? Like I do that at work all the time. If I don't know anything, I just sit in the meeting and be quiet. Like, I, I, just, I won't talk. They'll have, like, two-hour meetings at work, and I won't say a thing. And I'll leave, like, and I took a bunch of notes, and people were like, Sean's like, Selvi, head of FTB, met with my dad. And she's like, oh, yeah, Sean's doing great. He, everything he says, like, makes more sense than his managers. I'm like, I didn't even talk in any of the meetings. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> Proverbs. I mean, even if you, if you go, getting away from Proverbs, like if you listen to Jesus, like he said, I only say what the Father said. I only say what I hear the Father say. He did not ramble. Like he could heal people just by looking at him. So when he spoke, like one of the greatest studies, go and, and think about like whenever Jesus healed someone by speaking, like there was a reason. Everything he said had, had material behind it. And really, we should do the same. Like when he describes praying, he says, don't pray like the heathens do with like many repetitions. And he said, this is how you should pray. And it, I'm not saying we just repeat that over and over again, but like he was, he was succinct and powerful. And, and our society values the opposite. We're a data-driven information culture as fast as possible. My Facebook never-ending news feed thing, I've, I've never gotten to the bottom of that thing. Rap, I mean, back in the day, like if you listen to like really good rap without cussing, it's like, it's poetry, but it's sped up times like 50. Like has anybody heard Buster Rhymes rap lately? Like his sole goal is to get as many words in, as possible. It's, it's like, I, I don't even know if he understands what he's saying at this point. <laughs> and, and David like thoroughly understood the link between the heart and words. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Like, if there was ever a, like, listen to what that guy's going to say, it's David. Because he, he, it's just, he always nailed it. He's the only person in the Old Testament who talked about the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a reason. I wasn't going anywhere with that. You are the mouthpiece of Christ, not just pastors. You can make it or break it. Like, most people think, like, Oh, yeah, the, the pastors or the teachers or the talkers are the, the mouthpiece of Christ. But in reality, like, all Christians everywhere are the mouthpiece of Christ. If you say something that is thoroughly inconsistent with the gospel, you can, you have the potential to mar what Christ is going to do. And so that doesn't create a sense of, like, fear or trepidation, another word for fear, but more points. It, it, it should create a sense of, like, yes, 
Like, I, everything I do, everything I do has value. And really, um, like, our words have tremendous value. I know, like, we have people pray up here, and oftentimes the people who pray up here are, like, just bang on. Um, Nelda reads my mail, like, regularly. Like, right before I was going to speak, and, like, I, so, um, I don't like speaking. I dislike this thing. I'd rather be sitting there. I love listening to Knopf and other people. Like, it's, it's just not my favorite thing to do. And so I always, like, get all nervous. And now that I got contacts and see people, I'm like, I get more nervous. And, like, um, I just, and then every time I try to go study, like, I come from a decently religious background. Not, like, all Catholic-y, but, like, my own, my own thing. And, um, and every time I go to speak, I feel like, who am I to speak? Like, Brian Orm, he's hilarious. And, and the level of truth is ridiculous. And my favorite thing is that he'll say something that's truth, and then he'll say something that's completely not truth, but also hilarious. And it just like further exemplifies the truth. It's just like, I don't know how you do that. I, I wish I could do that. And I, so I'm like listening to these guys, and I'm like, man, like, my life is nothing like these guys. I'm a layman. I spend most of my time like economisting. So, and, and so I, like, I prayed with Roman last week. I went up and I was like, man, every time I try to read, I just get wrecked by this feeling of inadequacy. And he's like, and he just spoke the truth over me, my identity and what Christ thinks and how I am seen by him. And I like stood in the corner and just bawled my eyes out for a good solid like 15 minutes and suddenly felt amazing. And then today, right before I'm about to speak, I just suddenly get the same feeling. And I go to Nelda, I'm like, Nelda, can you pray for me? And she doesn't pray like normal people. She like, I don't know. If I could explain, I would try and do it. She, um... (laughs) She'll, like, she said, I feel like, um, the, that, like God has anointed your lips. And if you like, read Isaiah, he's talking about his lips the whole time. And then after he says, woe to me, I am undone, he says, and he touched my mouth with, and said, behold, um, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And so he says, here am I, send me. Like, it was, a, I don't know, it was just awesome to me that like, I don't know. Words have tremendous power and they like, they really bolster and, and give hope. And there are a lot of people who like, they come up and pray and will stand up here. And normally when you, when you want someone to pray for you, like you come up and tell them what's going on, right? And it's good, it's something, I don't know, it's something. And, um, and, and usually the first thing I do is I, I'll say like, have you asked God about her? Have you prayed to God about it? Because most people, they're like, oh, yeah. I, and it's not always like chaos. Some people like genuinely want more of God. And so they'll say, like, I want to know more about God. I want to go deeper. I want to hear the Holy Spirit. I want to see miracles. I want to enjoy the Bible. It's such a boring thing to me. And I don't go, well, all those things are awesome. Have you asked God? And they're like, no, 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 I haven't done any of that. Like, you can have all of these desires, these pent up, like, I want to see God do these things. But if you never voice it, like, I'm fairly certain nothing's going to happen. God searches the hearts. He knows your heart, but he is waiting for you to say it. You must, and, and this is like my, if you get one thing, it's this voice your heart before God. There are amazing things in your heart. You, I mean, we all have very unique things that we want to see. And, and, you, and so whenever I pray with them, I'll pray with them. And, I'll, and, and it's a great time. But then I immediately say, okay, now you pray into what just happened. 
And they'll always pray. And the power is not in my prayer. The power is in their prayer. I mean, I, I actually don't, I, I don't know if this is, this is not in the Bible anywhere, but I don't believe that praying in your head counts. I know, I mean, I, it's probably wrong, but in reality, like, the disciples would not have fallen asleep if they weren't trying to pray in their heads. Like, your words have tremendous value. So when you're praying, like, pray out loud. For God's sake. And really, the words you speak to yourself may be the most important words. Not, uh, Waterbury texted me, he's like, make sure you say that. And it's true, right? The words you speak to yourself may be the most important words. I have tremendous feelings of like inadequacy at times. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. And, and I have memorized as many verses as I can about my identity. Ephesians 1, if you don't know where to start. I'm a, I'm a son of God, blessed with every spiritual blessing, filled with the Holy Spirit and sealed. I've been called with the holy calling. I've been blessed with, and you can just, so, I mean, there's so many times I'm like, I just, I'm not feeling it. I'll be in worship and I'll feel shame or any one of these things and I'll go, no, like, my, I, my righteousness has been purchased by Christ. He is the purchaser of my peace. He has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. I have hope and I can just rock it off, all of this truth. And by the time I get to the end of it, I'm like, all right. Let's move on. Like, and and if, you, if you don't have that equipment, then all you're going to have is, is Satan in your ear telling you who he thinks you are. And I'm fairly certain he's wrong. I mean, Christ's Life is, is this ridiculously amazing program where you go through your, I'm not even going to try and explain it. I won't do it justice. But the, the most important tool that I learned is something, and, and it's really something you learn in phase one, is something I've had my entire childhood and didn't realize it. It's this idea, recognize, reject, and replace. It's, it's one of the most valuable things you can have for warfare, right? You first recognize the lie. We talk, I mean, I've never been in a community where people talk so much about lies and breaking strongholds, but in reality, we don't war against flesh and blood. These are the things that you have to break down. Her testimony is a testament to that truth. There are constant lies. And if you cannot recognize them, if you don't even see them as they are, you will live with them forever. You will carry them around. It will become burdensome. Your life will be just capped. So you need the Holy Spirit to recognize, you need the Holy Spirit, your friends, this community, I mean, to recognize the lie. And then you reject it. And the rejecting the lie is not the most complicated thing. You just say, I reject that. I don't agree with it. I come out of agreement with it. I, re- I want nothing to do with that. And you recognize, you reject, and then you replace. And the replacing is key. You can recognize and reject all you want. But if you never fill yourself back up, and that's that, the word spoken into yourself, nothing. You're, you're going to just kind of, you're going to have a good day, and then you're going to sputter. So... Again, like if, if there's anything else you could get from my talk, recognize, reject, and replace. Declare the truth. Speak your identity. And, and kind of one of the last things is that um, prayer, like we should spend a lot less time just begging. Like I, I beg for days. God, I need this. Do this in my life. I can't do it. And I'm sure he's just like, come on. Tell me what you really want and, and then just declare the truth. And if, if any of this sounds remotely like you, then you need to go back and listen to Brian Orm's talk. Like need to, must, have to. I went and downloaded it on my work computer, my cell phone, my house computer, and I'm going to put it in my car 
because the power of our words and the, the power of declaration will revolutionize your walk. You will not walk crippled. You will not walk lame. You will not battle with the same things. You will walk in a new level of freedom. Spend less time just asking for things in prayer and spend more time declaring. It seems really weird, and if this is something you want to learn, go to the back. Like at 6.30, 6. 6.15. I'm there every week. Most weeks. <laughs> um, we, get in, we pack in this really small, it's not that small, glass room. It's not glass. It's a hallway <laughs> with a glass door. I think odd sometimes. And, um, and, and, just, and we just pray. And most of the time, we pray over Epic Life. We pray into our lives. We pray we want to see what God is doing. But we also, lately, we've been declaring. And this is, it's dope. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was really trying. We've, we've been declaring what we want to see happen. And there's tremendous power. Lives are being changed. And I believe it's because we're shifting away from just like, asking all the time and we're declaring because God says we bless us with every spiritual blessing. Now said he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Like there's no, what are we asking for? Mm, I heard Nelda go, mm. <laughs> that was a good word for me. Mm. <laughs> and, and really like, do you guys still have a small group on prayer? Yeah. Because <laughs> like Colin, uh, Colin Mihalis has been, was co-leading that and he was telling me about like how exciting it is to be praying like in line with the word and how like declarations have really revolutionized his prayer life. Like that sounds awesome. So three kind of follow-up things and kind of as the worship goes, comes back up for worship, I just want to close. Um, if any of these things sounded remotely interesting, listen to Brian Orm's talk. Like find a small group where prayer happens and practice prayer. And come pray with us in pre-service prayer. I mean, the, if, you want your, um, if you want your words, your outflow of your life to change, like do not focus on the outflow of your life. That will never work. You have to deal with the heart. It's a, it's a place of, like, of submitting to the Holy Spirit. And, and as, as they start playing and we go back into worship and, and the prayer team comes up, um, and they don't have to come up yet, but and Waterbury's going to, actually close it but there are going to be people here praying and what I, I hope you will do is voice your desires there are things in your life that you want to see happen there are things about God that you you believe but you've never seen you want to know his love you want to know the father's heart you want to know the finished work of the cross you want to know what Romans really means for your life you want to you want to know your identity, not just because some guy told you, but because God has specifically spoken it to you. If any of these things are in your heart, speak it out, declare it the truth, and use the power of your words and worship. Because th this will change your lives. This will take you deeper. And, and come up for prayer. These people are awesome. So I'm going to pray, and then Waterbury is going to come up. Father God, I just love who you are and all that you've done in our lives. You are gracious, you are merciful, you are kind. You are always with us. God, I love that you are building testimonies in our lives, that you prove yourself into our lives over and over again. And there could be no doubt when we walk with you because you are just there. God, we just want more of you tonight. We ask that, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you that he dwells within us and that you are changing us. And we just ask for revelation. Show us areas where we need to break down 
and reject the lies. And, and Lord God, bring to the surface those dreams, those hopes, those things that we once knew but never voiced, and so they just kind of died out, God. Take us deeper tonight. We love you, and we delight in who you are. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.